If we're not careful, our mouths and our words can get us into a lot of trouble. Our words are like a rudder. They either keep us on course in our life or they direct us off course. No man can tame the tongue. That's a biblical statement. No man can tame the tongue. But here's the good news. God can. The only way for us to get control of our tongue is to let Jesus have control of our heart. Our tongues can provide blessings or bitterness to all of our relationships. We need to learn to manage our mouths. And when we do, we'll experience the blessings of words controlled by God. Good morning. Did you guys enjoy your extra hour of sleep today? Man, you got to love fall back better than spring forward. Take out your Bibles, turn to the book of James. James chapter 3, verse 13. That's where we're going to begin our passage today. We're continuing our series called How Faith Works. We're taking this journey verse by verse through the book of James. And it's been very practical for all of us. Today we're going to talk about how to relate wisely to other people. Making wise decisions when it comes to our relationships. You know, we don't always make wise decisions, do we? Sometimes we make some dumb decisions. We look back at it and go, why did I... I do that. You know, somebody that makes dumb decisions is criminals. And I got some stories of some unwise, foolish things that criminals have done. Let me read them to you. When his 38 caliber revolver failed to fire at his intended victim during a holdup in Long Beach, California, would-be robber James Elliott did something that could only inspire wonder. He peered down the barrel and tried the trigger again. <laughs> this time it worked. Not wise. Foolish. Here's another one. A man walked into a Louisiana Circle K, put a $20 bill on the counter. He asked for change. When the clerk opened the cash drawer, the man pulled out a gun and asked for all the cash in the register, which the clerk promptly provided. The man took the cash from the clerk and fled, but he left a $20 bill on the counter. The total amount of cash he got from the drawer, $15. <laughs> so is it really a crime when you give money to the store? I'm not sure. And this is the best one of all. You're going to love this one. Foolish, dumb things people do. When a man attempted to siphon gasoline from a motorhome parked on a Seattle street, he got much more than he bargained for. Police arrived at the scene to find a very ill man curled up next to a motorhome near spilled sewage. A police spokesman said the man admitted to trying to steal gasoline, but he plugged his siphon hose into the motorhome sewage tank by mistake. Yeah, I guess he got what he deserved. Foolish things. Well, today we're going to talk about not being foolish. We're going to talk about being wise. Wise and how it relates to our relationships. You know, every day you and I, we encounter many different kinds of people. Uh, some people are delightful. Some people are difficult. Some people are inspiring. Some people are irritating. Uh, some people are fascinating and some people are frustrating. Can I have an amen? And we deal with people like that every day, whether it's in our home or at work or our neighborhoods. And many of the problems that we deal with are personality clashes. And, and no matter how good everything else is in life, if our relationships are bad, life is bad. You know, if things aren't going well at home or at work or with our friends, life is very difficult. Here at Orchard Church, we do everything we can to help you guys relate to one another and get connected in, in individual relationships. And we know that doesn't happen on Sunday morning with 1,200 people and three services. So that's why we're always encouraging you guys to get in a small group. It's part of our Reach, Relate, Reproduce process where you can relate to other believers. But I'll just be honest with you guys. Let's just be real honest this morning. Even in our small group, sometimes there's someone in our group 
that is harder to relate with or get along with than other people. Not everybody in your group may be easy to get along with. We sometimes call those people HGR people. You know what an HGR person is? High grace required. Some people just need a lot of grace. We sang about that this morning. So we, so we need to learn to, to get along with others. And James is going to help us in a very practical way today how to relate wisely with other people. Now, our passage starts in verse 13. We're going to go through verse 18. But I'm going to start with the last verse because it's really the key verse. And then we'll go back and work our way back to verse 18. Verse 18 says, James tells us, Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in what, church? Peace. Everybody say peace. The fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make what? Peace. James says if you want to have peaceful relationships, which is something we all want. We want a peaceful home. We want a peaceful workplace, peaceful neighborhoods. If you want to have peace, you have to sow seeds of peace. Every day, whether we realize it or not, in our relationships, we are planting different kinds of seeds. And whatever you plant is what's going to grow and what you're going to harvest. So what kind of seeds are you planting in your relationship? Seeds of anger, seeds of trust, seeds of confidence, seeds of insecurity, seeds of jealousy, or seeds of peace. Because the Bible says whatever we sow, we're going to reap. And we often treat people in foolish ways, and we end up provoking the exact opposite behavior of what we really want out of the relationship. And what we plan is what we get. I heard a story about uh, three men who worked together and they were at lunch one day. And they were talking about their wives and they were trying to figure out how can we get our wives to listen to us more? How can we get our wives to submit to us more? And so in their worldly wisdom, they came up with some ideas they were going to try. And they agreed on these things and they said, now next week let's talk and let's see how it went. So they tried this for a week. The next week they got together and had lunch. The first man said, yeah, I tried some of our ideas. And the first day, I didn't really see anything happen. And second day, I didn't really see any changes. But the third day, I kind of saw some progress. And then the second guy goes, you know, I kind of experienced the same thing. First day, I didn't really see anything happen. And the second day, I didn't really see much. And the third day, I kind of saw a little progress. Third guy goes, yeah, that happened to me too. The first day, I didn't see anything. The second day, I didn't see anything. And the third day, I could see just a little bit out of my right eye. I could start to see just a little bit. <laughs> He got what he planted. Here's a key verse for us today, and it's out of Proverbs. I'm going to mention several Proverbs today. And you may have noticed as we've gone through the book of James, a lot of times I'm referencing the book of Proverbs because many people call James the Proverbs of the New Testament because so many practical things you read about in James, you read instruction the same way in Proverbs. Proverbs says this, Proverbs 4, 7, getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. So if it's the wisest thing you can do, we want to make sure we're getting wisdom. And James today is going to help us get wisdom for our relationships. And he's going to define real wisdom, give us some facts about wisdom. He's going to show how it differs from our normal, natural reactions. And then he's going to detail how wisdom operates so we can plant seeds of peace in our relationships. So if you're taking notes, the first thing we want to look at is two facts about wisdom that James gives us. The first fact is this. Wisdom is a lifestyle. It's a way of responding to life. It's something we live out. Let's go back to verse 13, the beginning of our passage, James 3.13. James says, he, he starts by asking a question. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct or his lifestyle that his works are done in the meekness of what? Wisdom. James says, you think you're wise, you say you're wise, 
then let's see it lived out in your life. Wisdom is the practical new use of the knowledge that we have. There's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. It takes knowledge to build a house. It takes wisdom to build a home. It takes knowledge to build the Titanic. It takes wisdom to miss the iceberg. There's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. I had a guy in the first service, he came out and he gave me something I'd never heard before about knowledge and wisdom, and I'll try not to mess it up. But he said, you know, knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is not putting it in a fruit salad. Well, that's pretty good. I said, I'm going to try that on the second service. That's a good one. Uh, one of my favorite definitions of wisdom is this, the difference between knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge is the ability to take things apart. Wisdom is the ability to put things together and relate them to everyday life. And that's what James tells us. The first thing we need to know about wisdom is wisdom is a lifestyle. It's something you do. It's like faith. It works. You know, you imagine James coming into Orchard Church this morning and asking us the question of verse 13. Okay, how many of you guys think you're wise? Raise your hand. And then as soon as you do, he's going to say, okay, prove it. Show me. Let me see it lived out in your life. Because the proof of wisdom is your works, not your words. It's your life. It's not your lips. It's your disposition. It's not the diploma on your wall. There's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. It's a lifestyle. It has more to do with character and relationships than it does intelligence and education. We, we all know people that maybe have a lot of degrees on their wall. But they don't seem to have any common sense. Have you ever met anybody like that? Now, I know people that have degrees that have knowledge and wisdom both. But some people, I know they have all kinds of degrees, but they have no common sense. Common sense isn't so common with some people. Knowledge, if we're not careful, knowledge by itself can cause pride. Cause people to be egotistical and, and puffed up. You know, Paul said that, that knowledge alone puffs us up. Wisdom, the more wisdom you have, the more you're humble. That's why James says here, he calls it the meekness. Works are done in the meekness of wisdom. Meekness means humbleness. So James says, if you want to plant seeds of peace and harmony in your relationships, the first fact you need to understand is wisdom is a lifestyle. It's something we live out. It, it practically affects our relationships. Here's another fact about wisdom. Lack of wisdom causes problems in all of our relationships, and a lot of problems, big problems. Look at verse 14 through 16, and James talks about these problems if you lack godly, heavenly wisdom. He says, but if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your heart, it's all about you, do not boast, don't be prideful and lie against the truth. This kind of wisdom does not descend from above. It's not from God, it's not from heaven, but it is earthly, it's sensual, it's demonic, Wow, James, tell us how you really feel. <laughs> He's like, that is not wisdom from God. And then, and then he describes the wisdom that's not from God. Here's some of the problems when we lack wisdom. Verse 16, for where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing is there. In other words, you lack wisdom in your relationships, just prepare yourself for confusion, for strife, for fights, for chaos, for disharmony, if you lack godly, heavenly wisdom. Now, as we read those things, some of you may be going, wow, that relates to me. That, that described my marriage. That described my family. That described my workplace. James is using these strong words to get our attention to show we've got to have wisdom in our relationships or we're going to have problems everywhere we turn. So James is challenging us to ask, is, is our life out of control? Is it, a, is it a mess? Is there disharmony in your family, your workplace? He says, if there is, it's because of a lack of wisdom. So how can I 
relate wisely to other people. That's what James is going to tell us. Well, you didn't know it this morning, but you remember when you used to go to school and you'd come and the teacher would go, take out your paper, pop quiz. We're taking a pop quiz today. You didn't realize it, but we're taking a test this morning. It is a wisdom test. With the remainder of our time, James is going to give us a wisdom test because we, we want wisdom for our relationships because we want peace and harmony in our homes and our workplaces and our relationships. If you do, say yes. Then you got to have wisdom. So the question is, do we have it or not? So James is going to help us with some characteristics. In verse 17, he gives us six characteristics about wisdom in our relationships so we can have peace and harmony in all of our relationships. So we're going to do a wisdom checklist today. A wisdom checklist. As we go through here, I want to encourage you after each point, if you say, hey, I'm doing pretty good in this area, check it off. If you're not, leave it blank. And you know that these are areas that I need God's help to bring wisdom into my relationships. Okay. Now, take your own test. Don't look at your neighbor's paper. Don't look at your spouse's paper, okay? Don't, don't, don't reach over with your spouse and say, hey, you can't check that one, all right? Everybody do your own work. Now, I will encourage you, maybe later today, after you've taken your own test and God has worked individually in your heart, maybe you would go home and compare these and talk to your spouse, talk to people in your family, say, you know, here's what I put, what do you think? And, and this can be a very productive way to work through some of these things in your relationship. So if we're going to have wisdom, we're going to relate wisely to others in our relationship, what's it going to look like? James gives us six things. I'm going to read all of verse 17, and then we're going to break it down with each of these. James says, instead of the wisdom that is of the earth, let's get the wisdom from above. And he describes it in verse 17. But the wisdom that is from above, from God, from heaven, is first pure, then it's peaceable, it's gentle, it's willing to yield, it's full of mercy and good fruits, and it's without partiality and without hypocrisy. So let's take the test, the checklist. Here's the first thing James says. If I'm wise, I won't compromise my integrity when it comes to relationships. I won't compromise my integrity. He says it's first pure. This is the Greek word hognos. It means uncorrupted, authentic. We're talking about integrity here. If I'm wise, I'm not going to lie to you in our relationship. I'm not going to cheat you. I'm not going to trick you. I'm not going to try to take advantage of you. I'm not going to try to dis deliberately mislead you because those are all things that are hurtful to any relationship. You know, why is this listed first? Because relationships are built on trust and respect. Amen? I mean, if you don't have trust and respect in a relationship, you don't have anything. Honesty is the bedrock of any relationship. Integrity. You know, when, when we were raising our kids, we used to tell our kids all the time, you want us to trust you so we can give you more freedom. And we want to trust you because we want to give you more freedom. We love you, but we don't want you here forever. You know, we want you to grow up and be adults and have a family and all those things. But the way that we're going to trust you and give you more freedom is because you've got to earn that trust. Trust is earned. Amen, parents? And when it's broken, it takes time to earn it back. That's true with our kids. That's true with our, our spouse, our relationships. we got to protect the integrity of our relationships. Dr. Leonard Keeler is the man who in, invented the lie detector machine. And he tested over 25,000 people. And he basically came to this conclusion. We are all dishonest people. And most people are basically dishonest. Do you remember the movie uh, Meet the Parents? Remember the father-in-law hooked the guy up to the lie detector machine? He was trying to find out, can I trust my son-in-law or not in this relationship. He was trying to find out his integrity. Proverbs 10.9 says this. The man of integrity walks securely. Securely in relationships. 
You know why people that have integrity can walk securely in their relationships? Because they're not afraid of being found out. Because they don't compromise their integrity. You can trust them. Am I a person of integrity? Can I be trusted in my relationships? If I'm wise, James says, I'll not compromise my integrity. How'd you do on that one? Can you check the box or not? Here's the next thing James says. If I'm wise, I won't antagonize your anger. James says, the wisdom that's from above is first pure, and then it's what? Peaceable. It's peaceable. I won't try to antagonize your anger if I'm wise. Wise people do everything they can to maintain harmony in relationships. They're not always looking for a fight. They're not always looking for an argument. Uh, they're not defensive. They don't carry a chip on their shoulder. Heard about one guy that was so argumentative that he only ate food that disagreed with him. That's an argumentative person. It's not wise. Proverbs 20 verse 3 says, any fool, that's the opposite of being wise, any fool can start an argument. But the wise thing is to stay out of them. To live peaceable lives. That's what James is saying. Now, now what is it that causes arguments in our family or in our relationships? Now, next week, James is going to continue this theme as we jump into chapter 4 about arguments. And, and next week, the whole message is how to avoid arguments. Let me just give you three quick things this morning because we're going to talk about this more next week. Three things, if you're wise, you'll avoid these so you don't antagonize someone's anger. Comparing. Comparing causes arguments. It antagonizes someone's anger. Saying things like, why can't you be like so-and-so? You're just like your mother. You're just like my first husband. Not a good thing to say. L listen, let me help all the men this morning. Men. Don't ever say this. I'm, I, I, this is worth the, worth the price of admission this morning. Don't say this to your wife. You know, if you were just like my first girlfriend, God wise. Not a good eye to say that. You, you'll end up like that one guy I told you about. You know, you don't say things to your kids like, well, when I was your age, those words antagonize anger, comparing. Here's another one. Condemning can antagonize anger. Condemning. Saying things like, it's all your fault. You should be ashamed, you know, really laying on the guilt. Saying things like, you ought to, or you should, or you shouldn't. Be careful with these words. You always, you never. Those are antagonizing words, aren't they? It's not wise to say things like that, to compare and to condemn. It's been said that you can bury a marriage with a lot of little digs. You can. What are the cause of arguments? Comparing, condemning, contradicting. Contradictory. Don't you hate being interrupted? Don't you hate when you're trying to tell a story, you're trying to say something, and somebody just contradicts you and keeps interrupting? That, that's not wise. That doesn't help, you know, relationships and conversations. Um, many years ago, another church, Shelly and I went out with this couple, and we were with the husband and the wife, and the husband was trying to tell us a story. And he said, you know, hey, I, I was uh, last Saturday, I went with my friend and his wife, but it was just, no, it wasn't last Saturday, it was two Saturdays ago. Oh, okay, two Saturdays ago. Well, I was with my, my friend Jim. No, you weren't with Jim, you were with Mike. Oh, okay. And everything he said, she just contradicted and kept butting in. And they did not have a really good marriage. You know, we got to decide what is important and to talk about and what is not. You know, sometimes we just got to let some things go. I love William James, what he said about wisdom. Wisdom is the art of knowing what to overlook. Man, that's a great statement. You want your relationships to be better? Wisdom is the art of knowing what to overlook. You know, as parents, Shelly and I used to talk about this all the time. We've got to decide what hills are we going to die on. It's not worth dying on every hill. What, you know, where, what hills are we going to die on with our kids, in our marriage, at work, 
You know, I, I, I used to be really guilty of this. When I was younger, I, I mean, you think I've got energy now? You should have met me in my 20s. You know, I mean, I was, I was just off the hook with energy, and I, I was ready to fight every battle, you know, and, and work everything out, and, you know, I was, I was ready to die on every hill. And now that I'm in my 40s, I'm just too tired. I'm just too tired. We've got to decide what to overlook, you know, and, and what, what is worth it or not. James says wisdom is peaceable, tries to get along in relationships. You know, Paul in Romans 12, 18, you can check it out later. Paul says this, if it is possible, as much as depends on you, try to live peaceably with all men. Now, I like what Paul said in Romans, if it's possible. Some people, it's not possible, but we do everything that we can. To live peaceably with everyone. Because if I'm wise, I'm not going to antagonize your anger. How'd you do on that one? You check that one off or not. Here's the third one. If I'm wise, James says, I won't minimize your feelings. You want to relate wisely in relationships? Don't minimize another person's feelings. James says it this way in, in verse 17. He says, you're first pure, then peaceable, then gentle. He uses the words gentle. Uh, some translations translate this word considerate. Wisdom is considerate of the feelings of other people in relationships. It's considerate. It's gentle. You know, a common mistake that we can all make if we're not careful is that we, if we don't feel the same way that somebody else feels, then we, we say, well, your feelings are invalid. They don't make sense. They're illogical just because you don't feel the way they feel. But those feelings are real to the person that is feeling them. You know, you may be sitting in the auditorium this morning and, you know, the wife says, oh, it's cold in here. And the man says, oh, no, it's hot in here. No, it's cold in here. No, it's hot in here. It's, well, it's what it is to that person. It's what they, they feel. You know, I'm depressed. Well, don't be depressed. Well, I am depressed. Well, why are you depressed? I don't know. I'm depressed. It's what I feel. Feelings aren't right. They're not wrong. They're just feelings. And they're real to the person that feels them. And wisdom accepts feelings. It's considerate of the way the other person is feeling, and it doesn't minimize their feelings. It's gentle. You know, a typical reaction to irrational feelings, if we're not careful, we can belittle the other person. You know, they say things like, well, grow up. Quit being a baby. You shouldn't feel that way. Or, or we try to play psychologist. Well, the reason that you feel this way is because way back, you know, and that doesn't help either. It doesn't help the relationship. It hurts the relationship. D do you ever play this game? It's the my day was worse than your day game. Anybody ever play that? We can fall into that game. You know, man comes home and says, wife says, how was your day? Oh, man, my day was horrible. The traffic was bad. The boss was mad all day. The air conditioner work didn't work. And the wife says, oh, yeah, well, the toilet was stopped up and the baby got sick. And, you know, I, I burnt the food and just, just trying to one-up each other on their feelings. James says, that's not wise. Be gentle. Be considerate. Both of you had a tough day. Think of it this way. If you care, be aware. Be aware of how the other person feels. Allow your maid or your kids to feel the way they feel. Don't minimize their feelings. And this is something as husbands we really have to work on. I know this because there's several verses in the Bible about husbands being considerate and gentle toward their wives. Peter in 1 Peter 3, 7 says, husbands, be considerate. If I'm wise in my relationships... I won't compromise my integrity. I won't antagonize your anger. I won't minimize your feelings. Can you check that one off or not? Here's the next one. James says, if I'm wise, I won't criticize your suggestions. He says it this way in verse 17. I'm willing to yield. Willing to yield. I won't criticize your suggestions. You know, when you think of a yield sign, what do you think of? If you're going along and you see a yield sign, you've got to slow down. 
You got to look. You got to listen. This word yield comes from the Greek word eupithes. Um, it, it means to be open to reason, to allow discussion. You don't criticize the suggestions of someone else that cares about you, maybe just trying to help you. A wise person, I believe this, a wise person can learn from anybody. Do you believe that? Say yes. You may learn what not to do, but you can learn something. A wise person can learn from anybody. They're not defensive. They don't criticize suggestions. They're open. They're reasonable. They yield. They're willing to yield. I like what Doug Larson said. He said, wisdom is the reward you get for a lifetime of listening when you would have preferred to talk. That's wisdom. Wisdom isn't stubborn. It's reasonable. It's willing to listen and learn. So ask yourself this morning, as you're taking this test, this wisdom checklist, you want your relationships to be better. Are you a reasonable person? What would your family say? Can your, can your kids reason with you? Can your spouse reason with you? Can people, can your boss reason with you? Are you willing to yield and listen? Or do you just criticize suggestions? You say things like, don't, don't confuse me with the facts. My mind's already made up. If I want your opinion, I'll give it to you. Not wise words. We need to be open to suggestions, not criticize suggestions. You know, I learned uh, something about this several years ago. I think it was about six years ago that I started doing something with my messages. About six years ago, somebody made this, another pastor made this suggestion to me, and I, I listened to him, and I put it into practice, and I, I think it's had a very positive effect on my life, and I, I hope Orchard Church. Six years ago, I started going over my message. When I would get it done, I would take someone, one or two people on our staff, and I would go over my message with them, and I'd preach it to them before I ever preached it three times on Sunday so they could make suggestions. I also did that because our staff needs these messages even before you guys do. <laughs> and so I started going over my messages and, and, I, and I had to be open to their suggestions. And you know, they would say, well, here's another, maybe another idea or, or yeah, I don't think that really makes sense or that doesn't really fit. And, and I, I do that every single week, every week before you guys hear it, I go over it and I have to be open to those suggestions. Lately, I've been doing this with Gary, and it helps him, and it helps me, and, you know, he makes suggestions, and we tweak it a little bit before I come here. And so I want to tell you guys, it's important you know this, because if you enjoy the messages here at Orchard Church and you like the message, then you can thank me and let me know. If you don't like it or you're offended, talk to Gary, okay? You can blame that on him because he heard it before you guys did. But I had to be open, and, I, and, and when he makes suggestions, I, I don't criticize those suggestions. I listen to them. That's wise. I'm glad somebody told me to do that. Help me. Proverbs 12:15 says, "Fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. They don't criticize suggestions." You know, Shelly, my wife, lovingly says to me all the time, and I've told you guys this. She said it to me last week. She said, "Honey, if you listen to me more, you would be right more." <laughs> and she's right. <laughs> So when someone makes suggestions, don't criticize their suggestions. Listen to them. If it's true, listen to them. Learn from it. Apply it. If it's not true, just ignore it. Forget about it. Go on. Don't start a fight. If I'm wise, I'll be open to ideas from other people. I won't criticize their suggestions. How are you doing with that one? How are you doing? Let's look at another one. James says, if I'm wise in my relationships, I won't emphasize your mistakes. I won't emphasize your mistakes. James says in verse 17 that wisdom from above is full of mercy and good fruits. It's full of mercy. Instead of emphasizing people's mistakes, it's full of mercy. I heard, a, heard a, about a guy that was talking to his friend and he said, man, 
my wife and I, we really got into a big argument last night. I mean, we really got into it. And my wife was historical. He said, you mean hysterical? He said, no, historical. She brought up everything I've ever done wrong. <laughs> she was emphasizing his mistakes. Um, this last week, ESPN came out with one of their, their new 30 for 30s. I love watching the 30 for 30s and the stories about athletes. And this one particularly caught my attention because it was about uh, Brian Bosworth. How many of you guys remember Brian Bosworth? The Boz. He played uh, linebacker for the University of Oklahoma. I actually went to school with Brian Bosworth. I was there at the same time. And uh, we lived in the same apartment complex. I actually had a couple of conversations with him. And then I ran because I was scared to death. The guy was huge. And he was this incredible linebacker. But he was known for just his outlandish hair and things he would do. And his mouth was always getting him in trouble. And so I watched this 30 for 30, and I, I really, seriously, I, I didn't know what to expect. I want to encourage you guys, especially if you have teenagers that play sports, watch this with your teenagers, the 30 for 30 on Brian Bosworth, because almost through the whole thing, he is crying and sobbing and talking about all the unwise decisions he made in his life that just destroyed his career, you know, at Oklahoma and even the pros. And I mean, he is a broken man. Now, I heard supposedly a couple of years ago he may have accepted Christ, and you could tell the guy's different, but one thing really stuck out. He, they were kind of talking about why did you feel like you needed so much attention, and all the attention was on you instead of your team, and you did all these outlandish things. And he began to cry, and he said, because my father never, ever encouraged me. He said he always emphasized what I did wrong. And so he tried to overcompensate. You know, parents, we need to make sure we don't emphasize the mistakes of our kids. You know, a kid comes home and he's got five A's and one C. And you're like, what's wrong with the C? Emphasizing mistakes instead of being full of mercy and good fruits. And, and, and Brian Bosworth was talking about, he told the story of how he was playing in a high school game. And in this one particular game, he had 20 tackles in the one game. I mean, there's guys that don't have 20 tackles in a season. He had 20 tackles, and his friend was telling the story. He said all the team was talking to him and congratulating him. His dad came out of the stands after the game to the locker room, and he walked up to him, and he said, why did you miss that tackle on that sweet play? He talked about the one thing, emphasized the one mistake instead of the 20 that he made. And, and, and to this day, he's crying about it. Huge effect on that re relationship. James is challenging us. You want to be wise in your relationships? Don't. Try to emphasize the mistake of other people. Be full of mercy and good fruits. I mean, do you jump on every fault and blunder that someone else does? Do, do you ever let go and forget people's mistakes and forgive? Do, do you continually bring up the past and use it as leverage? James says, that's not wise. Proverbs 17.9 says it this way. I love this verse. Love prospers when a fault is forgiven. But dwelling on it separates close friends. You know what James is saying? Proverbs is saying, if you're wise, don't rub it in, rub it out. Rub it out. Be full of mercy. Mercy is giving people what they need, not what they deserve. And so when someone stumbles, don't, don't try to judge them. Try to lift them up. Encourage them. That's one of the things I love about the family here at Orchard Church. We, we try to be a church that is full of mercy because we all need a lot of help. Amen, church? We don't want to kick people when they're down. We don't want to be condemning. We don't want to be judging. We want to be loving. We want to be, we want to be gracious and merciful. And I love that about our church. We don't want to emphasize people's mistakes. We're here to help people, not hurt people. And he also says it's, it's full of mercy and good fruits is connected, meaning these, they're good actions. You don't just sympathize for somebody, but you try to help them out. 
in their life. James has already told us this in James chapter 2, verse 13. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy wins and is victorious over being judgmental. If I'm wise, I will emphasize your mistakes. That helps relationships. How, do you, how are you doing with that one? And then here's the final one. James says, if you want to have wisdom and peace and harmony in your relationships, if I'm wise, I won't disguise my weaknesses. Because we all have weaknesses. If you agree, say yes. So I'm not going to disguise my weaknesses. Wisdom, he says here in the last part of verse 17, is without partiality and without hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. Nobody likes a hypocrite. This word hypocrisy comes from the Greek word hypocritos. And a hypocritos was actually an actor in the Greek theater. And it would be one actor, but he would play four or five parts, and he would take a mask, and he would change masks to play different parts. And he was called a hypocritos. And it's fine when you're an actor in a Greek theater, but it's not so fine when you meet people that wear masks all the time. One mask at work, and one mask at home, and one mask at a different mask at church. And, and, and that's when we get our word hypocrite. And James says, wise people don't try to fake it. They don't wear a mask. They're not phonies. They're real. They're genuine. They're authentic. Don't you love people like that? I do. I love people that are real and genuine and, and, and what you see is what you get. They don't try to disguise their weaknesses. You know, there's a lot of phony relationships today. You know what I mean? Today, it's easy to have phony relationships with the internet. You know, people start talking to each other and they're one way on the internet and then they meet and they're like, whoa, that's different. You know, we got the catfish shows, you know, they, they think they're meeting one person. They meet someone different. You know where you see a lot of phony relationships take place? If you think about this, it's true. Singles bars. Singles bars. I mean, where else do you go that a complete stranger comes up to you and wants to buy you something? <laughs> to try to impress you. I mean, you never see a guy walk up to a cute girl in a grocery store and go, Hey, can I buy you a box of cereal? <laughs> Sees a girl at Home Depot. Hey, can I get you a microwave? No, but, but a bar. Get you a drink. You know, putting on these phony faces and trying to impress somebody. James says... That's not wise to disguise your weaknesses. Proverbs 28, 13 says, People who conceal their sins, try to cover their weaknesses, will not prosper. But if you confess and turn from them, you'll receive what? Mercy. James says it's dumb to pretend you're something you're not or like you've got it all together. This might surprise some of you, but listen, everybody already knows your faults and my faults, don't they? They're obvious. We can see them. So, so why do we, who do we think we're fooling? Putting on masks and trying to be something we're not. That doesn't help relationships. It hurts relationships. People appreciate honesty and being open. And the more you're open and honest, the more people will be open and honest with, with you. That's another thing I love about Orchard Church. People are, for the most part here, what you see is what you get. Listen, if you're looking for a perfect church, you come to the wrong place. Orchard Church is not perfect because we don't have perfect people. And you don't have a perfect pastor. We just try to be who we are, and by the grace of God, we're sinners saved by grace, and we're all trying to help each other grow. Amen? Amen. That's what it's about. You know, and as I was thinking about this point, and I was going over this with Gary. Gary goes, you know, you need a personal illustration here. You know, and I was like, okay. And I thought, you know, what could I share with you guys to, to not disguise my weakness in a, in a relationship? You know, to be real. Because sometimes people are like, okay, as a pastor, you and Shelly have been married almost 22 years. Do you guys, do you guys ever argue? Do you ever disagree? No. Y'all, you believe that, right? And so I was like, well, I, I, I was like, I need to come up with something, you know, maybe where we've struggled in our relationship recently, so I don't disguise my weaknesses. And I, and I was like, I, I was like, I can't, I, I was honestly, I was like, I can't think of anything. 
I was just trying to think of anything. I couldn't think of anything. And so I thought, well, I'll ask Shelly, you know, see, see if she could think of anything. <laughs> True story. I go home. I say, hey, hon, I've got this point. I don't want to disguise my weakness. I'm talking about relationships. I want to be real. Is there anything that's happened in our relationship recently that, you know, I could share with the church? You know, maybe it was kind of tense or whatever. She goes, oh, yeah. I mean, immediately, boom, she had it. It was on the tip of her tongue. She goes, remember that key incident? I'm like, oh, yeah, that one. So here's the story. A couple of months ago. I have this propensity for losing my keys. Any, any other men with me on that? Amen. And so my wife wisely bought this little bowl that she puts by the door. And I'm supposed to put my keys in the bowl. So that when I'm ready to leave, the keys are in the bowl. Well, I thought I'd put my keys in the bowl. And I was getting ready to leave for the morning. And I was kind of running late. Keys weren't in the bowl. And I was like, I was just sure I put the keys in the bowl. And I thought, if I didn't put them in the bowl, I'd probably put them on the counter. And if I put them on the counter, Shelly sometimes likes to trick me and put them somewhere else because I didn't put them in the bowl. And so I'm like, Shelly, I can't find my keys. They're not in the bowl. She goes, well, they're wherever you put them. And I'm like, well, they're not there. And I said, did you borrow them? Did you use them? Because I, I really thought in my mind that she had used them for some reason. And she had them. And she's like, no, I don't have them. I said, well, please look. And she looked. She couldn't find them. Couldn't find the keys anywhere. And I was just convinced somehow she had moved my keys. I was wrong. So I started looking around. And I looked into one of my coat pockets of my coat. And I found my keys. So I took my keys. And I found her purse. <laughs> Hey, don't judge. I'm a pastor, but I am human. <laughs> so I, I found her purse. Now I knew she'd already looked at her purse, so I didn't just throw them in the main part. I knew that'd be too easy. She had this little kind of secret pocket on the outside she never gets in, so I put them in there. And so I convinced her to look one more time, and she was like, thinking I'm crazy. So she looks and she finds them, and she walks around the corner and she goes, I found your keys. And I said, aha! She goes, you put them there. <laughs> Didn't get away with it for one second. <laughs> we had a good laugh. James says, if we're wise, we're not going to disguise our weaknesses. We all have them in our relationships. So look at your checklist. How'd you do? How'd you do? If I'm wise, I won't compromise my integrity. I won't antagonize your anger. I won't minimize your feelings. I won't criticize your suggestions. I won't emphasize your mistakes and I won't disguise your weaknesses. How did, how did you rate? Now you say, ah, not so good. Or I got three, but I didn't get the other three. Well, you know what the answer is for those that you couldn't check off? Wisdom. You need wisdom in your relationships. Here's the good news. James already told us this back in James chapter 1, verse 5. If anybody lacks wisdom, Ask of Oprah? No. Ask of Dr. Phil? No. Ask of Cosmopolitan Magazine? You know, they're trying to give you wisdom. Ask of Facebook? No. What does James say? If any of you lacks wisdom in any area of your life, ask who, church? God. And then he goes on to say, and he'll give it to you. And not just a little bit. He'll give it liberally to you. We all need a big dose of wisdom for all of our relationships. So that we can experience peace and harmony. You see, knowledge comes from education. Wisdom comes from God. Knowledge comes from looking around. James says wisdom comes from looking up. Knowledge comes from reason. Wisdom comes from revelation, from God's word. 
Knowledge comes from something we learn. Wisdom is a gift. It's a gift that God gives us. So do you want better relationships? Of course we do. In our family, with our spouse, with our kids, at work, with our friends. Then we've got to plant seeds of peace. Wisdom. Be a peacemaker, not a troublemaker. Do you want to relate wisely with others? I know you do. Then I'll end the way we began. Proverbs 4, 7. Getting wisdom is the wisest thing that we can do. So let's get it. Let's get it. That's how we relate wisely to others. It's how faith works. Would you bow with me for prayer? Let's bow nice close for just a moment. If you're here today as a believer and you'd say, you know what? I had some areas that if I'm honest, I couldn't check off. And I want to be wise in my relationships. Would you, Pastor Doug, pray for me? That I would apply these truths today. I'd be a doer of God's word, not just a hearer. I need wisdom. I want to ask God for wisdom. There's some areas I know I could improve in. Can we humbly, honestly, with heads bowed and eyes closed, would you slip up your hand if that's you today? You need prayer. God bless you. Thank you. Hands in every section. All of us. We've all got areas we can work on and improve in. Let me pray for us. Father, help us to apply your word today. Help us to apply James' words of wisdom to our relationships so we can relate wisely with others, that we can sow seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness and peace in all of our relationships for your honor and glory and for the good of our relationships. May we be doers and not just hearers of your word today. Help us to grow in those areas where we need to improve. Thank you for James' honest and straightforward words today. I pray that we would insert them into our relationships and we would experience the fruit of following your word and having wisdom that we would get the wisest thing and that you would give it to us like your word promises we claim your promise today for wisdom and we ask for it with heads bowed and eyes closed if you're here today and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior I'll tell you you'll never get wisdom until you get Jesus because Jesus is the personification of wisdom Colossians 2 says in Jesus Christ lies all the hidden treasures of wisdom you want wisdom? You've got to have Jesus. And if you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the wisest decision you'll ever make is to receive Jesus. And I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. I want to lead you in a prayer of faith. It's not a magic prayer. These are not magic words. But if you put faith and belief behind it, if you pray this prayer from your heart and you mean it, you'll, you can receive Jesus today as your Lord and Savior. You can have your sins forgiven, a home in heaven, and you, He will give you wisdom for all your relationships. Aren't you tired of trying to do life on your own and figure this out? Is it time to invite Jesus in your life? If it is, would you pray this prayer of faith with me? I'll help you with it from your heart to God's right now and mean it. It goes like this. Jesus, I call on you today. I believe in you. I believe you died for me, for my sins. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. I accept you by faith. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Thank you, Jesus for loving me and accepting me. Thank you. With heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around for a moment. I don't want to embarrass anybody, but if you just prayed that prayer of faith for the very first time to invite Jesus into your life, I want to personally pray for you as you've just begun this new journey with Jesus that you would grow in your relationship with him. Would you just slip up your hand all across this auditorium if you prayed that prayer of faith? God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Just slip it up. Put it down so I can see it. Yes, I invited Jesus into my life today. I need his wisdom. I need him in my life. Anyone else? God bless you. Thank you. A few people. Thank you. Father, I pray for those who put their faith and trust in you today. I pray they grow in their relationship with you in the days forward. 
Help them to follow your wisdom and your word and your spirit in their life. Thank you for their life-changing decision today. Thank you, Lord, for helping us to know how faith works and how we can wisely relate to others. Thank you for James and his words today. May we apply them to all of our lives. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we celebrate decisions for Christ today? Many decisions. Amen. If you made a decision to accept Christ today, please let us know about that. You can check the box there in your connection card and uh, drop that in the offering bucket as it goes by so we'll continue to pray for you. If you're a first-time guest here at Orchard Church, thank you, thank you for being our guest today. Uh, we hope our service has been a blessing to you. You've certainly blessed us with your presence uh, today. Thank you for being with us. Uh, if you filled out your guest connection card, you can drop that in the offering bucket as it goes by so we can send you a thank you gift in the mail. Uh, we're going to close with a song of worship in just a moment and worship through giving. Before we do this, I want to, I wanna, uh, if I could, say something this morning uh, to our church that I seldom, if ever, do. Um, we do not make political statements here at Orchard Church. We respect that everyone has um, different political views. We would encourage all of you to vote. We can't complain if we don't vote. Amen. Uh, but I do want to say something about something that's on the ballot this year that I don't see as a political issue. I see it as a community issue, and that is the 3B vote for 27J School District. Um, and I really want to encourage you to consider voting yes for that to help our school system. Um, they, our schools are way overcrowded. If this bond doesn't pass this year, uh, they're talking about going to year-round school, kids starting at 6 in the morning, 6 at night, maybe going to school on Saturdays. It could honestly even affect us here at Orchard Church and our ability to meet here on Sundays. Uh, so this is a big deal in our community and for our kids. Um, it helps all of our home values, all those things. So I just want to encourage you to consider uh, voting yes for 3B as a church, Orchard Church. We support that. And so we want to encourage you to think about that. I think it's too late to mail it in now, but you can take it to and drop it off. And so um, I just want to take the time to say that to you guys, encourage you, because it's really meaningful to our kids and to this community. We've been blessed by 27J uh, School District for eight years to meet here at Prairie View High School. And it's a little way that we can give back. Amen? So consider that this morning. All right? Stand. Let's close in a song of worship. Worship to our giving. God bless you guys for being here today.